Hey, it's Ryan. And it's Steve, and you are listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar, buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing, playing podcast. We're back. And we're better than ever? <laughs> Namisode number two. Dose. Dose Namisode. Uh, we don't have new stuff to talk about. Again, we're going to talk more about things from Nam, but we're also going to do two ads because that's what we do. Ads. Ads, ads, ads. Uh, you want to hit the first one, Steve? Uh, yeah, so this is uh, something that I saw, I believe, on our Craigslist uh, recently. Uh, yeah, it's in South Bay. South I'm, Bay? That's where I'm from. <laughs> so this is a ovation uh, semi You're supposed to say an ovation because there's a vowel. At the did, I I mean, say, did I not say an? Yeah, you said a. Sorry. Oh, uh, sorry. This that is, one's for you, Meg. <laughs> Grammar correction. Oh, my God. So this is an ovation. Uh, it says very rare 1958 ovation hollow body thunderhead $1,850 very rare ovation 1958 serial number B-343 there is one blemish it was dropped or something has one chip out of the neck as the pictures show this guitar was only manufactured between November 1958 to February 1959 I am firm in my price please text me if you are interested, and I will return your text, I will only accept texts. No calls, please. ASAP. The case is old and beat up, but the guitar is in good shape. Happy shopping. I got. I got to say right off the bat, this is the best looking ovation I've ever seen. <laughs> so, eighteen. Oh, I don't know where to start with this. I have. I found this. Um, this guitar looks sick. Super cool. Now, it's a bolt-on neck, so it doesn't have like the f- classic fret access of like a 335. No. But this is a 335-style guitar. Um, the pickups in it are... Uh, well, let's let's start back. This has that tr- traditional funky ovation headstock on it. Yeah. But... But it doesn't, look, know, it doesn't look bad on this guitar. No, it, makes, it doesn't. It, I like it on this guitar. So the body itself is kind of this uh, 335 knockoff shape. Um, like I said, the neck is seated a little deeper into the body than you would normally see just uh-huh. because it's a bolt-on neck. But it's not that bad. I mean, you're still... I think it, it starts right around the 15th fret. Yeah, somewhere around there. This um, is probably a strummer anyways. Do you yeah. really need to go that high up the fret work? I don't think you do. I need to go all the way. <laughs> Why well, have frets that you can't access? Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> um, these I so I didn't know anything about these guitars, so I started reading. First thing, I don't think Ovation existed in 1958. Absolutely not. Uh, these guitars were actually made uh, from 1968 to 1969. Uh, part of what was called the Ovation Storm series. Yeah. What what was the start date for Ovation? I have a feeling it's 1967. I don't know. Are you saying that like as a guess, or do you? I'm saying that as a guess. I'm betting anything. This was like one of their very first models. Um, yeah, this was when Ovation was still kind of doing uh, electric guitars. They did them throughout the '70s and '80s as well. Um, but uh, <laughs> Steve is trying to Wikipedia as quick I'm as trying possible. To stall. <laughs> Founded in 1965 by Charles Kamen. 65. 65. I was almost there. So uh, so this guitar could not have been made when he said it was made. Yeah. This was part of the Storm series. So the Storm series had the uh, 
Thunderhead Deluxe, which this is the Thunderhead Deluxe. This is the Thunderhead Deluxe. There's also a Thunderhead Deluxe T, which has a, a I'm not sure if they were a Bigsby trim hmm. or if they were more. I, sh- I looked at them. I just can't don't recall or if it was more of like a Tisco style trim. They also had a model, I believe, called the Tornado. Um, and they had a model called the Eclipse. And the Eclipse, uh, the theory, I guess, goes that the Eclipse was like the reject bodies. Mm. Uh, basically, they made them and there was some kind of like flaw in the finish or flaw in the body. Uh, as far as uh, from an aesthetic standpoint, because you look at this, this is a trans uh, translucent red finish. It, yeah, it looks awesome. Um, it's the binding on is really cool too. Yeah, you've got the white binding around the, the guitar body, and then you have the white bind- binding in the sound holes. Yeah, the, it's uh, sharp. The whole binding looks really it good. Is sharp. So the Eclipse is a flat black finish. Basically, ah. uh, I don't. I can't imagine it was r- rough. I don't know. It's just hard to tell, but it's uh, it's the finish that was like used for the bowls, for uh, maybe the interior of oh, the bowls that like flat black for, for the back of the Ovation acoustics. Yeah, oh. yeah. So that's the color of the Eclipse models, and the Eclipse models are actually the ones that uh, you see most often. The whole thing with this is there's variations between the different models in the Storm series. Uh huh. None of them sell for more than eight hundred dollars. Yeah. So this thing's about a thousand dollars over price. I don't know where he's getting this price point from. Uh, I don't know if someone said it to him. The features set on these guitars are really cool. Yeah, totally. And Ovation made some weird stuff in the eighties, like the Breadwinner, and like wasn't there one called like the Preacher or something? Yeah. Um, but the the feature set that they chose for these weird designs, they were always like high quality parts. Uh huh. Most of the parts on these... Uh, well, Ovation's guilty across their history of always trying to reinvent the wheel. Right. And this is a guitar that doesn't do that. It takes a classic form and puts some neat features That's in there. That's true. Yeah. Um, the pickups on these, on this particular one we're looking at, I believe were the uh, D'Armond's. Yeah. Uh, which was like a D'Armond... <sighs> They look like they're a single coil too. They, I'm not. Sh- I I think they're single coil. I'm not sure. It's that it's that Diarmid design where they have like the big pull pieces in the middle. Yeah, and then they have like the little pull pieces oh, off to the side. Okay, but I'm not sure if those are actually considered humbuckers or if that was just a design thing. Sure. Some of these did have humbuckers in them, and and the humbuckers would either be. Um, made by Diarmond again or by I think Schaller. Gotcha. So they were all like all of their hardware was either Diarmond or or uh, Schaller hardware. Uh, I think the tuners were like all Schaller tuners and and like just top to bottom like these were well-built instruments. It's just it's not a brand that is necessarily collectible unless you're weird. Yeah, totally. If and it, I, I don't mean that in a derogatory like, no. oh, you're weird, because I could totally see myself getting into collecting ovations. I could see myself playing a breed uh, a breadwinner. Yeah, like all day long. Oh yeah. If, you, if there's a tremolo on it. Well, sure. now that uh, that one, I forget what model it is that Roni has. It's oh, kind of yeah. been that is. It's not exactly a breadwinner, but it's got that vibe. It's got that funkiness to it. Yeah. That thing was cool. We'll talk about that later. For sure. Yeah. Um, we're going to need to do like three or four Namasodes, man. I don't man. think so. I think we're going to do two. Okay. 
<laughs> I think we're going to be. I think there will be stuff we reference, but I think we're going to cover it all in two. Sure, sure. Um, so yeah, just when I I didn't really know about this storm series, and now that I do, like every I was like when I first saw this guitar on Craigslist. I read like every article I could find. Yeah, totally. I was looking at price points on eBay, Reverb, whatever. It doesn't look like... So this one is a Thunderhead Deluxe, but it doesn't really look like there's that much difference between like the Thunderhead Deluxe and like the Tornado and these different models. Uh Uh-huh. Except for like the pickup choices. Uh, And like some... and, And like the finishes. Sure. But... I can't imagine that if I can buy like a regular Thunderhead on eBay for seven hundred, that a Thunderhead Deluxe is going to be worth again a thousand dollars more. Yeah, there's no way. You know, you're, it's like you're going to tell me like the difference in my mind. Like when I see Deluxe, I think like, well, what's the price difference between a Fender American and a Fender American yeah. Deluxe? It's like two three hundred bucks. I mean, here's the scenario where you would pay even a thousand dollars for this guitar. You found a shop that has like four or five of these guitars from Ovation. Okay. Ranging from beat to hell to cherry. Yeah. You're going to pay a thousand bucks for the cherry one, or you're going to pay like seven fifty for the one that's got some dings. Right. And that's the whole thing is like this one. He says the case is beat up and like this other stuff. And I just, I don't see where the price justification is based on what I researched. Yeah, exactly. Um, now maybe, uh, you know, if they can it's one of those things where, yeah, like a thousand dollars. If it, if I was in more of a collector mindset, and the ca- pristine case, case tags, like that kind of stuff, you know, uh-huh. the case candy, okay, thousand dollars maybe. Yeah. Uh, just because from a collector standpoint, I might be you're paying at for it. the condition and the extras. You're paying for the condition. You're paying for the extras, and you're paying for the fact that you're probably never going to find one of those exactly. Again. And you're you're probably you've sought these things out, and you probably like I want I actually really want to have this for a long time. Yeah. And speaking of collectors, let's jump right into that second ad. <laughs> okay. This is someone posted this on the group. I yeah. don't remember who, but uh, whoever you are, thank you. Gibson Les Paul Custom, brand new, unplayed, unseen, $4,000 in Orange County. Here's the description. And it's just a picture of a guitar case. Gibson Les Paul Custom, guitar has never been played. In fact, the case has never been opened. And the guitar has never, ever even been seen. I'm not really sure what color it is, but I don't want to risk lowering the value by opening the case and looking at it. That's the ad. $4,000. Guitar in a case. Who knows what it looks like? It's probably a Strat. How does he know that it's a Les Paul Custom if he's never looked in Maybe there? Maybe there's a tag on the outside of the case. That legend, says since- legend tells that there is a Les Paul Custom inside of this case. Oh, my God. <laughs> if you open it, your face might melt off. Uh, it's just a funny ad. And it's a short ad. And now we're going to talk about Nam. Oh, is that the whole ad? That's the whole ad, man. We don't want to... Do you have anything to say about that? I don't know. It's just so dumb. Yeah, it's completely it's stupid. Like you you cannot trust yourself to open up a case without no, destroying the guitar that's it, on the The inside. whole thing's a joke. It's got to be a joke. This guy's not actually I hope selling so. Maybe there's something going on in Orange County Craigslist that we just don't know about because we're like maybe yeah. it's like a running joke. But it, it probably Craigslist is. <laughs> All right. Um, Where did we leave, leave off? Well, we kind of just gave a general overview. I think we covered everything. I oh, was no. Hoping... We're supposed to talk about this first. Okay. Well, what the hell? Why are you talking about Nam then? I know. I'm messing it all up. We've got another... 
Earthquaker Devices. Hey, pedal Scamp. Down. Welcome to your new Afterneath from Earthquaker Devices brand effects pedals. The Afterneath is an otherworldly reverberation machine that uses a swarm of short delays to create wild and cavernous reverbs and scattered short rhythmic delays with bizarre characteristics. The reverb created is beyond massive and goes well beyond the territory of most reverb pedals. The controls allow you to stretch, smudge, swell, and even self-oscillate into messy ambient washes of sound. The length controls adjust the decay of the reverb. Anything from shorter haul through endless plate style reverbs can be achieved. The reflect knob controls the regeneration, basically feeding the output back through, uh, back through to create an even deeper otherworldly dreamscape. The drag control lets you pull the reverb through time by slowing down or speeding up the reverb. The diffuse knob adds control over the spread of the reverb, ranging from identifiable attack to a wash of smooth reverb. The dampen control adjusts the tone of the reverb, both stinging bright tones and warmer swell. The end result result is an ethereal ambient wash that goes from hall to an infinite glitched out orchestra pit warming up in a canyon at the bottom of another canyon inside a well. <laughs> the afterneath is true bypass with an all digital reverb engine, all analog signal path and handmade one at a time by real living human beings in dimly lit Akron, Ohio. <laughs> Earthquaker so, really has a flair for their descriptions. So we're talking about the uh, Earthquaker pedals afterneath uh, today. This thing is is great. Uh, I got to, I've been playing around with this thing for a week since we got it at NAM. I've got to play it last Sunday at church. Um, Steve hasn't gotten to play with it yet, but he he watched me playing with it a bit. Yeah, I got to listen to it, and this thing is sick. It is it is way cooler than I thought it was going to be because I'd seen demos of this before, and I had checked it out at Salvage Custom, and I was like, oh okay, you know, ambient machine, whatever. Yeah. Actually, getting to play with this thing in a set was really cool. <laughs> I'm going to just say the things I'm just going to emotionally vomit a little bit about the things that I love about this pedal. Uh, I love the way it lets your dry signal through. Mm -hmm. And I thought I was going to hate the way that the signal kind of builds up the, the wet signal kind of builds up and then like crashes after you play instead of being like this immediate blast of reverb off of your note. Right. So like you play a note and then it goes like, Right. It like it takes a second for the effect to ramp on because basically it's a whole bunch of delays stacked on top of each other. So they're all bouncing off of each other and feeding off of each other to produce this reverb effect. But it's not really even a normal reverb effect. This thing is so out there. Um one thing one thing I'm wondering about because I had this conversation recently that somebody said that digital reverb that is basically like a chip that has like 90 digital delays yeah, chips inside of it. So I'm wondering how, if this is typical, if like this pedal is using the same basic digital reverb ideas, hmm. or if it's um, doing something like different, like, I mean, like we talked about with the Palisades last episode, one thing Earthquaker does is it gives you a ton of controls. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm wondering if, if what they're achieving with this is um, because you have more control or if they're actually using like discrete delays 
I uh, think it's actually built on delays because it's it doesn't act like a reverb. Even right. Though I haven't. I haven't. I've watched you mess with it. I've. I've heard yeah. it. I've heard you playing it. I haven't really messed with it. And and whatever. So yeah. Something I wish this had, which it doesn't have, obviously, is a momentary switch or a way to switch on trails. Uh, because I found myself really. Like I'd be playing my lead parts, which wouldn't have this, and all of a sudden I'd hit a part in a song where I needed just an ambient droney mm-hmm. sort of thing. So I'd click this on, and I'd have it on for maybe two beats, right? And then I'd click it off. I wish it had a momentary with trails option, so that I could just click it and have it do its thing and then fade out. Um, right. It's a great pedal if you do volume swells for kind of like your ambient sort of thing. What you need to do to get the swell, uh, get the trails, is um, have a long set washy reverb. And actually, that might be something. Are you playing tomorrow? No. Oh, dang. Because if I have this on my board, that might be uh, running the afterneath into the memory boy. Yeah, totally. That might be exactly what you're looking for. Yeah. Well, I was running a delay after this at certain points. And, you know, it's, it's, I'm not saying. What am I trying to say? <laughs> the pedal is great. I'm not making a huge complaint here. I'm just saying right. that that's a feature that I would enjoy on this yeah, if it was that, there. That's a feature that is lost. I don't know if there's any... And there's not really a lot of space left on here to do that. Yeah, sure. and I don't know if there's any true bypass pedals on the... I'm assuming this is also true bypass. I, I guess it doesn't necessarily say, um, but most pedals these days seem like everyone's yeah. doing the true bypass thing and you can't do trails with true bypass right right well then maybe some kind of momentary or something where you can hold it in i don't know that's just my my dream wish list um <laughs> this thing is can be a lot more subtle than i was thinking it was going to be right like i had this thing on in parts of the song where i was not expecting to use it it can just give you this kind of background drone yeah with your with your your playing instead of being this really present like oh he's doing an ambient thing it's more just it just fills your signal out did you try to do god this sounds like such an awful question because it's so (laughs) stereotypical did you do swells at all with it oh yeah i was at church you have to do swells well well, because i'm just thinking like if i break this thing out tomorrow so i'm going to use this pedal tomorrow with bass Uh uh-huh uh, but I don't have a volume pedal on that board. Oh, okay. So I'm not going to be able to really do swell. Well, I mean, I guess I can do You don't do need it. to do swells with it, but it's doing swell. You, you blast that mix up real high, and you can do really fun swells. Okay, cool. But it's just this really great pedal. I love the artwork on it. It's got a little wizard in a cave. Yeah, and I, I feel like that's actually like a really apt... First of all, I love the name, the Afterneath. Like uh-huh. it's a everything about this pedal, the design and the controls, and even like the na- names of some of the controls. Uh huh. Uh, just are it's very Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? They give you so much controls on this. There's six knobs: length, diffuse, dampen, drag, reflect, and mix. And it really, I mean, this this effect is basically kind of one flavor. Right. Like you're not gonna dial in. It's not like a phaser where you can have like a really slow phase and then like a fast warbly phase. This thing is just different lengths and different depths of the same kind of a sound that you're dialing in. But they really gave you full control over it. I think any other company would have made this a two-knobber. 
Like they would right. have given you a mix knob and they would have given you like a tone knob or something like that, sure. or maybe even a three knobber, but they've given you so many controls over this. So you can really dial it in. Uh, you got to read the description on it though. If you get one of these, cause it's like, it took me a while to figure out what was going on with each control. Yeah. It's a little, uh, it's a little complex. It's a little complex. Uh, once you understand what's going on, you can really take control over this thing. Yeah. It's, it's a piece of technology. <laughs> you really got to understand it. It's not. Right. It's not like a drive or like a simple little thing where you turn one knob and you you definitely know what's going on. You got to kind of understand how each knob is controlling the signal because it does some weird stuff. Right. Do you still have the Topanga on your surfboard? I do. How would you compare these two? Oh, they're totally different. Okay. The Topanga is a, is a tube reverb unit emulator. Okay. So it's doing like a your splashy, drippy, surfy right. sort of thing. This is just a full ambient, cavernous. Well, it's a cave. It's an orchestra in a cave. Right. And it, it's an orchestra in a canyon at the bottom of another canyon in a well. Yeah. <laughs> is that what it was? Something yeah, like that. It, and that's a perfect description of it. It's It sounds like you're in you know, the sewers. Yeah. Well, I know when we were messing with it, the idea of like this self oscillating reverb, uh-huh. uh huh. But at the really same time, like I said, it really lets your guitar signal through. Right. It feels like you're still playing your regular signal, and this is just you know underneath it at the level doing that, its own thing, doing its own thing at the level that you want it to be at. Gotcha. Uh, it doesn't take over your signal at all, hmm. which is great. Cool. Yeah. I think that's probably all there is to say about it. So. Sure. Well, I'm going to record a, a demo of me playing some licks through it. Right. Well, I guess I'm sending it home with you. So Yeah, how's that going to work? Yeah. You, if you, are you going to be, if you if I see you tomorrow. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, get, I'll, I'll see get, you tomorrow. I'll get it from you later, and yeah. then I'll, I'll record uh, what I need to do. Um, but this is, this is a really great pedal. If you do any kind of ambient, washy sort of stuff, you got to try this thing. Uh, I don't think. Other than the momentary wish list thing, I don't think I have anything else to like to say that I don't like about this. Right. It's just really a really great product, a really unique product. Yeah. What other pedal on the market does this? You'd have to buy I don't know. like six delay pedals to do this. I don't know, Ryan, because we don't usually dabble in high end equipment. <laughs> we are usually talking about the. Uh, well, we we talk about all sorts of stuff, but we talk about the used market. Yeah, and this is brand spanking new. Yeah, dude, I, I'm. There's a. This is just, just. We should just be an Earthquaker podcast. Ah, they have enough pedals. Uh, it would take us about a year to work through them all. Yeah. Uh, no, I was just gonna say because there's an organizer on Craigslist. That I'm trying yeah. to. I'm trying to sell off some stuff that's on my list, right? On so you my, can buy it on my flip list, so I can get an organizer because that's actually a pedal like that. I'm. Was I was interested in before we met those guys? Sure, sure. So, um, anyway, they make great stuff. Yeah, I'm not saying that just because they gave us to these pedals to review. I'm saying that because I already owned one of their pedals that I yeah. love. Yeah, and uh, and the other stuff they make is just really cool. I really want to get my hands on a rainbow machine at some point. Should ask for one. <laughs> They asked us what pedals we yeah. wanted to review. We got kind of like a deer in the headlights sort of thing when they asked us, and we were well, like, "Uh, I don't know, whatever you want us to yeah. do." And then they handed us a bunch of pedals. And it's like, "Oh, okay, thank you." 
Yeah, yeah. They were just like, yeah. What do you want? And we're just like, wait. <laughs> yeah, they had that attitude. What do you want? <laughs> how, how many pedals do we need to give these guys to make them go away? <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's move on to Nam. Yeah. Last episode we kind of went generic. We're gonna talk a little more specific. Yeah. Um, Companies. I'm trying to think of every company that we got to like hang out with. Let's talk about Paul Roney stuff. No, okay. all right. We'll start with Paul Roney. So yeah, we, he's we, a uh, listener of the show. He's got yeah. his own podcast. Uh, what's his podcast called? The Lutherist. The Lutherist. That's right. About a few, uh, maybe three I or four hours into that. our wandering, uh, we finally made it down to this booth that uh, Doug Cower and also listeners. I keep kicking this. Yeah, thing. you got to stop it. I got to hold on. <laughs> Quality that podcasting right here. That should help. I don't think you can hear the kicks on. Hey, that you episode. don't hear uh, Paul Roney kicking his stand. <laughs> That's because he uses an iPhone. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> they record into an iPhone. Well, Aren't you listening to the podcast? Uh, I think I'm like three episodes in. Yeah, they mentioned it in the very first episode. Shoot, and again in the second episode. Well, hey, I've taken care of a baby over here. Yeah. I don't have full attention all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, they're like recording into the iPhone. Like they, they sound pretty good for doing it off an iPhone. Yeah, well, I think they keep, they probably, I'm guessing they keep their noise levels a lot lower than we do. Probably. Um, so, yeah, we found the booth uh, split by Doug Cower of Cower Guitars uh-huh. and Paul Roney of Roney Guitars uh, in the basement of Nam. Yeah. Um, the basement is, is was my favorite room. Oh yeah, all the cool stuff was in there. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, we'll talk about Peacekeeper later. Oh oh my gosh, I wasn't I'll, even thinking. We got to talk about Peacekeeper. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, so what did you want to say about Roni? Beautiful stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, I really loved uh, all the pickup variations that they had. The guy who makes his pickups was standing right there, and I was talking to him about all the crazy designs he has. I love uh, that that orange sparkle, like Jazzmaster take that he had. A lot of just really great quality stuff. Definitely cool guitars. Yeah, that booth was um, super. It was dug, a really cool design. Yeah, super Doug uh, Doug Cower stuff too. Yeah, yeah. You super Doug Doug Cower stuff. <laughs> um. That was probably one of the best guitar booths, I think. Yeah. And I think one well, of them... Well, it felt welcoming. Yeah. And one of them, I forget which one, what made Premier Guitars best of Nam. Really? I want to say it was Paul, but I, I, I think it was Paul made made uh, Premier Guitars best of Nam. Interesting. Uh, for their booth. But yeah, it was just a really welcoming booth. The guys were super chill. Um, talkative and whatever. Oh and, yeah, and the guitars were just great. I was really digging. Uh, Cowers got that Firebird. That is like uh-huh. take on the Firebird. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But both of them had sold stickers on them, so yeah. I didn't want to touch them. Daniel Tyak had a sold sticker on his guitar there. The the unicorn one. The unicorn one. Yeah. Yeah, that thing was sweet. Yeah. And apparently there's like a picture of him inside the guitar that you could only see if you have an x-ray machine. What? Yeah, like he, uh, Doug Cower, like hit a picture inside oh the build of it. Oh my gosh. These guys are insane. Yeah, they're, this, the whole like boutique guitar thing is nutty. Those guys do all kinds of crazy details. 
But yeah, yeah that, it was really cool to check out their stuff. Um, uh, Pure Salem was down there. Do you want to talk about Pure Salem? Yeah. Uh, was it Matthew Riddle was asking about Pure Salem? Yeah. I picked up one of their guitars. Um, there were two guitars I remember he wanted us to check out. Uh-huh. Uh, one of them was uh, something, and the other one was something else. That's true. I wanted to get my hands on the classic creep uh, model forever and i got to pick that thing up and play around with it i also tried the 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 models that matthew wanted us to try yeah it was uh, oh the gordo and the cardinal i think i only picked up the gordo i thought it, it felt pretty good yeah they feel pretty um, good i'm not the huge like i get it and it's definitely different um so pure salem is doing these uh raised logo things uh-huh i i don't I'm, like the badges yeah it's like a badge i'm guessing it's probably just like a lacquered over piece of plastic or something sure or metal i don't know i'm i have really mixed feelings about it but i think it's just something where it's like i could definitely see it growing on me i prefer it to what they were doing before which, i don't see and that's the thing i have no reference it was just their uh their logo silk screened on, oh, okay. on the headstock i really like the the badge thing on the headstock it's just a ps logo instead of writing up pure salem right it's really subtle i like the look of it it goes with their whole like quirky aesthetic um what yeah. what was your impression of because we're talking about guitars that are imported uh, I forget where he said. I think Korea. They're from Korea. They're from Korea. Uh, they're under a thousand dollars. I think they all kind of ride in the seven fifty to eight fifty kind of range. Okay. Um, what in the, with that in mind? What was your impression of them? Honestly, like it's so hard for me to sit down and judge new instruments. Sometimes, especially at Nam, I think by the time we hit Pure Salem, like my fingers are already hurt because I'm just not oh, used sure. to guitar. And we didn't even plug these things in. Yeah. We just we were picking up guitars to check out the fit and finish and, um, and feel what like the weight is and everything. But I definitely felt like they were on at least on par with say like what Schechter puts out in a oh, similar sure. price range. Sure, um, Schechter's a little cheaper, but then you're not getting like the quirky shapes. Yeah. And everything else. The unique characteristics. Uh, yeah, the things that make the guitars unique. Um, they use a pretty high quality hardware set. Like the, the quality of the hardware was definitely evident. Uh huh. Um, the one, I've only picked up one. I think, like you said, you picked up like three. Yeah, a couple th of them. Like three, I think. Yeah. But the I was one getting I my fingers up, all over the, them. The one that I picked up, I definitely felt. Uh, like it was really well done. Yeah, I feel like they're well constructed. They have a good uh, quality feel to them. There's the the one thing that I kind of judged a lot of guitars on when I pick them up is uh, if I'm getting a lot of bite off the frets. Right. I felt like I was getting a little bit more bite off the frets than I would have liked to, but it's the sort of thing where if I was if I liked everything else about the guitar. I would just deal with that. Yeah. Like it's not an, it's, I wouldn't say that the fretwork was bad. I'd say that it wasn't my right. preference. Right. And sometimes, and I don't know what kind of frets they And it might just be that they were, they do like a bigger fret. That's what I was going to say. It's like, like that Squire Telecaster I have. Um, if you're just kind of like doing a cursory run up and down, the frets feel really bitey. Uh-huh. But if you actually like go fret by fret, you realize that they're. I think that neck was like. I don't think those are the original frets. Like it was refretted sure. with jumbos. Oh, okay. And so if there, if it wasn't a refret, like it just originally had jumbos on it. Yeah. 
Um, so the feel of the frets is just completely foreign. Gotcha. And so when I first got it, I felt like that neck was really like poorly fretted. Uh huh. And as I've gotten used to it and gotten used to playing around with it, I've realized like these are just high, higher frets than I'm used to. Yeah. I mean, I think we'll wrap this up so we can keep talking about more Nam. I think if you're, if you're looking at pure Salem guitars online and you haven't tried one, uh, you can order them without fear. Yeah, I, I, for sure. They're a quality instrument. Uh, they're they're normal to better than their price range. Yeah, is what I would say, and that's what you can expect based on our experience uh, playing them there, <laughs> handling them. You know. Yeah. Um. So. And they definitely look rad. Yeah, they're beautiful for sure. In the in the really weird kind of awesome way that I like guitars to be. Yeah. So uh, one of the things. Uh, we like we mentioned last episode, we got to meet a lot of people. Uh huh. Um, all of the owners that we met are super chill, super I was, nice guys. I was really surprised, and it wasn't like it didn't feel like I'm at a trade show, I have to be nice. Uh huh. It was just like it was genuine. a genuine, yeah. like, and the thing I think that surprised me was that all of these guys know each other. Oh, totally. It doesn't surprise me that they all know each other because you want to know, like, when you're doing these kinds of trade shows, you're gonna, you're gonna meet the competition, or whatever. It was the fact that like all of these guys like hang out together in in like real life kind of situations. Yeah. Oh, well, freaking Daniel Tyatt got us invited to this after party. Is it cool to talk about that? You think I don't know? Uh, earthquake. I'm, I'm on the fence. Earthquaker devices. It's called the Pedal Builder yeah, Summit. Throw a, a giant party. No, it was a summit. A summit after Nam <laughs> that was, well, I won't even say where it was, but it was a secret. Well, you know what? You know what? Brian Wampler was talking about it on his podcast. Oh, did he already talk yeah, about it? Yeah, he talked about it. The right. Pedal Summit, it was at a bowling alley. Yeah. There was bowling. A 24, so, so 24 hour bowling alley, I guess Earthquaker called in and was like, hey, when do you guys close? And the lady said, Christmas Eve. Oh, my gosh. So we, we got invited to this thing. All the like boutique higher end like pedal builders from Nam and from like the geographical area were there. Yeah, like anyone who was in LA, they bought everyone drinks. They bought everyone pizza. There was bowling. There was karaoke. It was wild. Yeah, it and was we got a lot to, of fun. We, we got all, to hang out with all these guys. We got yeah. To hang we only out. got to stay for a couple hours because we had to drive back down to San Diego. Yeah, but it was super fun. All these guys are super nice, super cool. Yeah, we're all best friends now. We gave we gave uh, John Cusack uh, from Cusack Pedals a hard time for being named John Cusack. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great bowler. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he super was really good. good. But like, for example, like we basically uh, when we went to the Wampler Pedals booth, we didn't re- exactly introduce ourselves. We just said, "You already know." We we're sure we you already know who we are because we're your competition. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I took a selfie in front of their sign. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but and, Brian Wampler's super nice. Yeah. All those guys are super nice. Yeah. I mean, I didn't talk to anyone outside of kind of like the smaller builder industry. So I don't know what those guys are like. Right. But I can't believe how nice those guys that, are. I mean, I've been I've been to trade shows because for different jobs that I've been in. And no one's been that nice. Yeah, we went to, uh, we got to meet Robert Keeley in his office. 
Um, <laughs> out by the dumpster. Out, which was, yeah, it's going outside next to a dumpster where you yeah. could actually have a conversation. And I outed Steve. Yeah, and right away Ryan goes, oh yeah, we love your DS1 mod. Steve's done it on like multiple pedals using <laughs> using the online instructions. Uh, he was like, yeah, I hear that a lot. Yeah. And I was like, don't worry. Like, I just, I call it a key. Like, you know, I'm up front. Like, it's Keely styled. Like, I, I'm, yeah. I know I don't use your components. Like, I don't have access to that stuff. But yeah, I kept, I don't know if I was doing it intentionally, but I was definitely making an effort to put my foot in my mouth with yes, a lot of these guys. Cause, uh, I met, uh, a Zach, Mr. Zvex himself. Oh yeah. And I was like, Oh, Hey, I really loved your, your, uh, your fuzz probe. I had that. And so, like, Oh yeah. And then you sold it. <laughs> like <laughs> this is like little moment of silence. Like, yeah, that was awkward. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but I sell everything. You buy stuff, you sell stuff, you buy it again. He's yeah. like, yeah, 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 whatever. And then I told he him, he was wearing like a, tuxedo and a top hat yeah he was he's a, a class act he was a fun guy yeah, their booth was really cool though yeah. they, that was uh the first booth we went to actually well, it was the second booth we went to because yeah. we got stuck in a microphone guy for well, a while i got i got naked at the zvex booth well you got topless at the ZVEX hey booth. that's pretty close to naked <laughs> <laughs> they gave me a shirt and so i took my other shirt off yeah. and announced it loudly they, i'm taking my shirt off they gave me a shirt it's a large uh-huh a youth large. Oh no! So, um, so, just put your kid in it. Uh, either that, well, or your wife. My wife won't fit a youth oh, large. I don't know how big a youth large is anymore. Youth large is like I don't think I fit in. It's a like youth an large. adult small, right? Ec- adult extra small. Okay, gotcha. So I don't think anybody that we know will fit. Yeah, a youth I put large. Your, I put your kid in it when she's big enough for it. Yeah. Yeah. She'll have the coolest shirt when she's like in school. 10. Hey, that's fine. Like five years. Hey, put just put in a, a Ziploc bag and save it in your closet. Right. <laughs> Keep that shirt fresh. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we got a lot of like cool stuff. I've got maybe 15 or, t- or so gravity. Excuse Whoa. Me. Oh, Good man. burp, Steve. Whiskey and Coke. <laughs> uh, I got like 15 or 20 gravity picks at home. Yeah. All JHS pedals. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm actually, I haven't gotten to mess with them too much, but what I, the little I have used them, I actually really like those picks. Yeah, they're not bad. I'm still a, like a fender heavy guy. Yeah. But if I have a gravity pick in my pocket, I'll use it. They're thicker than I'm used to, which is kind of weird. Uh-huh. But I, they're, they feel really fast. Yeah. Uh, so I, they I, definitely, I like the, the, the moments that I've used them, they don't, the thing that always bugs me about like the nylon picks that you and Adam like that have like the little tread on them, like the little bumps. Oh, the Dunlop. Well, yeah. Adam is, that's more Adam. I hate that I can feel the seam on the side and I feel like I can feel the seam grinding against the string when I'm playing. Right. You don't get that with these. No. Even though it does have a very like sharp edge along the side that could be like a seam, it doesn't feel like it's gripping well, onto this, the string that the, way. The difference is that with the Dunlop, it's like they just had... A sheet of yeah. of nylon that they just punch picks out of with the gravity, every edge is beveled. Yeah, it's a beveled like plexi material. Yeah, it's almost it's I think that yeah, it's more of like a acrylic they're acrylic picks, yeah, yeah. I, I think. They're really cool um, looking. So they look great, they feel 
really fast. Yeah. It's just bigger than I'm used to, but I think I'm going to make an effort to try to get used to yeah. them. They had a uh, they had a great big bowl of them at the JHS booth, and they were like, "Oh, you can take as many of those as you want." And so I literally grabbed a handful and just poured them all over my face. Yeah. <laughs> And made Good a job. Made a ridiculous spectacle of myself. Good job. Yeah. Do we want to talk about the Chinese manufacturers? Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> okay. So it seems like in the last year, there's been this explosion of mini pedals. Yeah. Like your Enos, your Moors, well, your Donners, so your Sea Lines, Maybe Joyos. like, what, two, three years ago, there was just, as far as Chinese manufacturers went, two, say two, three years ago, there was like Baiyang. Yeah. And Moore. And that was it. And then Joyo started kind of creeping out. Uh-huh. Um, but for a long time, it was kind of just this three horse. Like, I think Bayang was sold like exclusively through GFS. Yeah. Uh, I want to say it was GFS. GFS. No, now they're on Amazon too. Well, they, they had variations of their pedals under different names on GFS. Yeah. Um, and then, again, Joyo and Moore. Yeah. The, Last year, a few more companies started coming out. Eno uh, was Eno uh, Donner. Uh-huh. Um, Don't even try to others. list them. Yeah, all. Fender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the whole Moore started this mini pedal craze. Yeah. What we didn't realize when we went to Nam is how far that craze it has is gone. It is insane, and they all look the same. They all have like 30 miniature little pedals on their line. We didn't even really spend any time looking at any of their stuff. Zero. Because it was overwhelming how many booths there were for these guys. I would have liked to have stopped at the Joyo booth because they had their amps there. Uh Uh-huh. And according to at least one guy I know, uh, do you remember Brendan? Brendan Prout? Yeah. yeah. So apparently he was uh, checked out one of the Joyo amps there and said it was just like incredible. Really? Um, I forget which model it was. Um, I think Joyo could... I mean, Joyo's killing it as it is with their product line. Uh And it sounds like they're poised to move on to amps and they're doing really well. Nice. Um, I think they've established themselves as a brand by making like a handful of of low cost but decent quality. They're the ones that do the little Iron Man pedals, right? They do the Iron. I cannot believe how small those things are. Yeah, in person, I can't. I'm surprised a guitar jack can fit in them. They are so small. Yeah, I'm surprised the guitar jack just doesn't stick out the other side when you put it in. They're basically the exact width of a guitar jack. Yeah. And, and bar- barely long enough to fit two guitar jacks yeah, in there. All four of the, all of the knobs are like mini knobs. They're the, like the size of a pencil eraser. Yeah, they're. I can't believe how but, small they are. But that little. So first of all, I think that little cover that they put on them is just going to break. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Unless you're careful. But the cover is like that's a very smart design that I think a lot of manufacturers like aren't putting on of course now that joy has done it like everyone else is going to do it and that was the whole thing and i actually i even heard some of the the small builders the high-end guys talking about how like some of these chinese companies like it was like they didn't really understand what nam was about Uh uh-huh because a lot of those booths we would walk by and they would just be empty like no one was doing anything they didn't have anyone like demoing stuff right bring people in or anything and they, the people who were sent, sitting in there were in like suits and they just looked bored. Yeah. 
And somebody said... Well, they all speak Chinese. Well, no, a lot of... <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no one, no uh, one can talk to him. Um, I heard somebody say that he walked, that one of the booths had like had like 30 boxes of the same pedals. Is it racist to, stay, to say that all the Chinese mini pedals look the same? No. <laughs> because that's a product. <laughs> Sorry. Jeez. Um, uh one person said that, and I guess this is a thing with Nam. I don't really know. Like, you're not, you're not supposed to like buy or you're not sell allowed stuff. to you're sell. not allowed to sell stuff. Like, you're prohibited. If you okay. sell stuff, you could get in trouble. Okay, yeah. I don't, I, I don't know anything about trade shows. So. Right, right. Um, like, you're. It's just supposed to be about dealing. Yeah. Um, it's presentation of your stuff. Right. But like, I guess some of the Chinese booth had like thirty. Brought in like thirty of the same pedal, like in boxes. Yeah, they had them like, out on a shelf. Like they thought they could sell them or something. Yeah. And I saw some places that like they look, they had like cables and stuff that they looked like they were set up to sell. I don't know. I think they set up to make it look like a store to be like, oh, this is what your display could look oh, okay. like in your retail location. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, like because all the like the strap companies and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. And again, like I said, I. I never looked closely enough at any of that stuff. I didn't ask enough questions to be like, hey. Uh, and now I'm glad I didn't because I would have looked dumb. <laughs> um, but one guy said that there were people in like the booth across from them sleeping. Oh, my gosh. Like, Those are just so bored. Yeah. They've been there for four days. So and no one's looking at their stuff. It's kind of a bummer. JHS was located directly across from one of the manufacturers. Yeah. Did you see the video? I that- did. <laughs> <laughs> they had a little guitar competition yeah. uh, or uh, a little uh, head cut- cutting competition there <laughs> where uh, they were doing like these single note, like, like back and forth. Someone playing a, a guitar at the Chinese mini pedal booth. Yeah. Going so- back and forth with someone at the JHS booth. It's uh, it's just interesting. Like, there's just, I don't know how these small companies are really gonna. Not, they're not small companies. How how all these mini pedal companies uh-huh. are gonna survive? Because it's like everybody is. There's probably like one company that just manufactures all this stuff. Oh sure, and they're selling you know these things to everybody, and it's all just gonna come down to who has like the slickest marketing. But it's like. Well, the, how do you break into that? The thing is, and now they're selling them to Fender. They're making this. Yeah, Ibanez is now making the Mini Tube Screamer. But I think that's. It, I don't know where that's being manufactured, but that's a totally different case. Even it's though it's a, the same size. Yeah, like you look at all these companies that have the exact same case, the exact same knobs. Yeah, and almost the same paint scheme, and it's like, okay, these definitely have to be being made in the same place. Yeah, um, it's just kind of daunting. I. I don't know. I imagine that it's not expensive for them to make these pedals. No. And people are curious enough to buy these little things online that get shipped directly from China. So I can't, I don't think they're ever going to go away now that they're here. I don't think the. I don't think they're going to go away. It's more the Certain idea companies that, will that I think go to the top. There are, you know, there's companies that we know about right now, like Moore, uh-huh. Eno, Donner, we named those. We those are the three that we kind of just keep naming. I don't even remember the name of the the one across from no, JHS, but it had a name that could have been memorable. It was like maybe Force, something or like, like that. Force One or Air Force or Force yeah. something. But some of them were like, well, you know, 
Guan Guanzo yeah. pedal company, and I'm just like, or like, no, like Guanzo Electronics Limited, and I'm like, I, you know, that's not a, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and it doesn't mean anything in the sense that I mean, I was just looking at all those booths, and I was like, oh, another. Uh, Another Moore ripoff booth. Exactly. Another Moore exactly. Booth, another Joya booth. And it's like, a, you and know, it, there's, it didn't feel like there was any reason to stop and look. Oh, and then the thing is, like, going, I understand, like, if you're just making generic whatever, like, excuse me, Guanzo Electronics Limited is fine. Uh-huh. But imagine going to something and your company is just called San Diego Electronics. Right. Like, congratulations, you're an electronics company and you're from San Diego. Your name, not that branding necessarily has to say who you are, but when it's so generic that all it is is a location and it has like no other relevance. Yeah. Um, is Guanzo a place? Guanzo's a city in China. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and there was like a bunch of them like that that were just like names of cities. Yeah. I wonder what the market is for those pedals in China because there are I don't know there are people who play guitar in China. There's a music Wait, scene there. What I know, right? W- no, they have communism. <laughs> we should move on to something else. We, I don't want to talk about Chinese sure. pedals forever. Um, we, you want, we, do we want to talk about Gaiatone? Yeah, you know, uh, one of actually one of our listeners, David, uh, asked the question: Who, uh, what company had the most impressive new auto wall? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, our, our listener of the show, David Chote, uh, introduced us to. Uh, yeah. What was what's his uh, name? I'm sorry, Nate Demont. Right, right. He goes by Baritone Nate on on Facebook. Yeah, in um, the group. And he is the. It says on his business card, the owner of Demont. Okay, Demont uh, Guitars. Guitars, which is based out of the Midwest somewhere. I forget already. Yeah. Uh, but they are basically the the U.S. division of Gaiatone. Yeah. And apparently, the way it works is in Japan, everyone wants to buy American stuff. And in America, everyone's fine with Gaiatone being from Japan, so they have an American division to sell stuff to Japan. Yeah, that like most people in America just haven't even heard of of uh, that company, Dumont. That's what's going on. I'm trying to figure out what that sound is. <laughs> I don't know, man. Worst podcasting. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Demont was super ch- cool. They they had a, a, some new uh, Gaiatone stuff there. Yeah, they're they're working on an on a Ottawa pedal right yeah. now. We unfortunately did not get to make it to the demo of that pedal. Yeah, I forgot what happened, but we we were getting pulled all over. Our the place. time was just so thin, and I have no idea like where we were when that was happening. But we weren't there. But I'm definitely stoked to see more stuff from Gaiatone. I've had Gaiatone pedals in the past. I had their little FC2, which is a fuzz yeah. pedal, which was really great. Gaiatone makes some cool, really cool stuff. Uh, their reverb unit is uh, is a thing that people talk about oh, really? in the surf community. They had a really great reverb unit. So I'm excited that we have that connection now uh, with Gaiatone. They might be sending us stuff. Yeah, uh, actually, we, I just uh, we just got an email from them, and I think they're looking at they got to get their production up and going. Uh-huh. So maybe in like a month or two. Awesome. Uh, we're probably gonna try yeah. to contact them again. We also what was the name of the guy from Gaiatone? Nate. No. Uh, oh, Toshi. Yeah, Toshi. I think that was his we name. We got to meet him. Apparently, he's been like the head designer of all their stuff for a long time. Yeah. So he was telling us about all the stuff that he designed and the lines that he worked on. 
And I just felt so bad because it was so loud and I could not like keep a conversation going with Toshi. I couldn't understand. It's so loud. It was so loud. And so you're fighting. And there's a little bit of a, a language barrier. And so I felt really bad, but I really wanted to talk to him, but it just wasn't happening. And I felt kind of bad about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely cool to meet him. You want to talk the uh, pedal board or the pedal builders alliance or whatever the hell it was called downstairs? Oh yeah, yeah, totally. So, With El Ray yeah. and Big Ear and who and, else was there? Uh, Mister uh, uh, Mister Black. Yeah, Mister Black, who we have referenced his uh, his power article. His yes, multiple times, Mister Black. But a bunch of these guys were sharing a booth. Yeah, there was a main ace, I think, was down there. Uh huh. There's one other that I, I don't remember. So, uh, obviously, we've done promotion with Big Ear, and Steve is going to get their rat pedal soon. Um, the woodcutter, right? Yeah. Uh, also, El Ray, who is right next to him, he's a pedal company that used uh, one of my graphic designs on his pedal. And so, I was walking around, I was looking at all the pedals, and all of a sudden, this thing is in front of me my art on it, and like my brain had to completely change gears. <laughs> and I'm looking at it, and I look up at the guy... And I'm like, I'm I'm him. I'm the guy. And he's like, you're the guy. I, I point at the pedal, and I'm like, I'm the guy. And he's like, Oh, you're the guy. And we like shook hands and hugged and had a long conversation yeah. and stuff. But yeah. It was really neat to meet him and and talk about uh, his pedals. Yeah, I was he makes some really cool fuzz pedals. I was kind of bummed. We kept crossing paths with Grant from Big Ear. Yeah, and but we never like. I posted a picture from their booth. Uh-huh. And then he was like, oh, come back at 3 o'clock. And like, I think by the time we saw it, it was like 3.45. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, it just didn't work out. We were all over the map. I yeah. mean, I, I felt bad because I met Aaron Coleman about three times. And each time I thought he was someone else. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's all right. I, I thought I was meeting him for the first time. I didn't figure out what company he was actually representing until the after party. <sighs> I mean, the summit. By that time of the of the day, our minds are so scrambled. Like, I'm not sure I would have recognized my own mother. Oh, my gosh. Like, I was having a real tough time. But it was it was a real blast, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, some other companies that were downstairs, uh, Deering Banjos were down there. Deering had a great booth. Yeah. There were a lot of great acoustic yeah. booths Listener uh, of the downstairs. show, Sam Miller, works for them. Yeah, Breedlove's booth was great. Yeah. I I picked up the, the Solana from Deering Banjos, which is their six-string uh, banjo guitar right. that has nylon strings. Instantly fell in love. Yeah, like instantly. I I could have stayed there all day playing that thing. Right. I don't know if I'm gonna be at the place to pull the trigger on one in a long time, but I'm gonna be watching the used market. You need for to get sure. one and then play it at church. I would electric guitar. Electric I would guitar banjo. It has a pickup in it. Yeah, I would for sure. Um, oh, so uh, breed love was there. Yeah. Who else was downstairs? Strymon was down there. We, yeah, we got to hang out at Strymon for a while. I got to try out the Deco, which uh-huh. is a really interesting pedal. It's a very unique because it's a tape uh, tape deck simulator, not tape deck like a yeah a recording like console a recording console yeah. kind of a simulator. Uh, so that was really cool. It's it's Strymon's dirt pedal. <laughs> it really is. It's the closest thing they have to an overdrive right now. Yeah. Um, it was fun because we, when we were hanging out with Robert Keeley and, and Josh uh, by the dumpster, we remembered that I had made this graphic uh, like years ago of a Strymon metal zone with a JHS sticker on it. Yeah. 
as like a joke that's been it's been floating around the internet since then but it's a big funny joke we showed it to josh and he posted it on his social media and it was like he thought it was hilarious and then we took it downstairs and i showed the picture to strymon and they were like oh oh that's oh that's clever (laughs) and that was like the most the biggest reaction that we got out of them for it yeah but i was you know talking candidly with the guy who's the main uh like programmer i guess okay uh, about their pedals and i was talking about the hype and talking about the quality of their stuff and you know is just having a really natural conversation with them it was really fun right but uh who else was down there um, uh, that ukulele company was down there. Oh yeah, Magic Flute or whatever. I'm probably gonna end up buying one of those violins. Oh really? They make this little plastic. I don't want to call it little. It's it's a full size violin. Yeah. But they make this plastic violin. Well, it's a bullback. It's a wood top. Yeah, it's got a wood top, but it, the it's oh, majority of it is plastic. Yeah. Uh, the fretboard is wood, uh, but it's this whole like composite. Everything is like is an industrial piece of design, but it sounds really good. Yeah. And it feels like a really like actual quality instrument yeah, in your solid. hands so my wife they were, they were like oh do you want to try to play it we can get you a bow yes and don't i was know how to play and i was like i had i hesitated for a second because i've always wanted to like pick up violin just uh-huh for fun but i know like i don't have the patience to go through that learning curve sure but I really had to be like, no, you don't. That's not a good idea. I've messed around with a cello before and actually had a lot of success with it uh, coming from guitar. Right. But uh, I've never actually, I think I played one in like fourth grade, but oh yeah, like a, for a little bit. But I've never spent a lot of time with a violin. But my wife played violin uh, when she was younger. And I've been thinking about trying to get one for her. So... I might pick up one of those cool. for her at some point here, like a birthday, Christmas present or something. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that somebody was joking around about um, up, um, at one of the boutique pedal, the high-end pedal guys uh-huh. was, oh, you got to find a way to integrate your pedals like directly into like a guitar. And I think they were kind of joking a lot more along the lines of like um, Manson's... Uh, uh huh. Matt Bellamy signature guitar. Yeah. But there is a company at NAM called Peacekeeper. Uh huh. That was making a modular effects incorporation that you could just snap into the guitar. But the way it was designed to snap in was. It looks like a banana clip from an AK 47. Yeah. And all of the guitars that had this situate had this like device attached to it were like flying V's. Yeah, uh, way over the top designs, American flag motifs, camo motifs. Yeah, that uh, for you guys that follow us on the Instagram, you saw uh, the picture I posted, uh, which is the guitar in the foreground with the clip in it, and then the picture in the background is basically, and it was like an American flag designed guitar. Uh huh. And the design in the background is this cartoony, like 1980s G.I. Joe kind of uh, comic style. Uh huh. Uh, you know, huge breasted American flag bikini girl <laughs> carrying one of these guitars into battle. Because, you know, in the classic, uh, in the, or in the classic, in the modern, like World of Warcraft, EverQuest, whatever, uh, 
multi massive multiplayer online gaming scenario like this for female characters the smaller your armor is yeah the stronger the more it protects you yeah absolutely <laughs> but it i can't you know it's one of those things like that's cool for their company that's not going to be anything that's ever adopted by any other company yeah i didn't spend a lot of time looking at their stuff but i imagine you know, like the little effect clip that you put in. It's, it's that's just not the way people use effects. Well, and it's something you don't where, you don't clip your effect in and out of your guitar to change effects, right? And it's something where I could see a company, like two companies, getting together. I'm I'm trying to visualize this. Two companies getting together with like a maybe like a mini knob design. I mean, they had knobs on these on these banana clip things. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Something that would like mount directly to the top of a guitar. Not sure. Like, the thing is, is the way that their design was like that was the gimmick. Was like it was like a magazine. It was all gimmick. Uh, like it's yeah. just a gimmick. Uh, I could see like some kind of. What I'm saying is, like, do you remember the vintage EHX stuff or the vintage, like, Dan Armstrong yeah. effects where those were designed to clip directly to your guitar? Like, they went into your input jack and then you plugged in your cable to that thing right, or whatever. Totally. So, what I'm thinking of is, like, something more along those lines, but maybe have that se- that secondary jack built into another part of your guitar I'm thinking, like, on the Strat, it could be behind the bridge. Sure. And if you made it, like, thin enough which since you're since you really just have like a circuit board and with this current state of like smd electronics i'm sure you could design this where it was thin enough that you could slap it to your guitar without really like hindering your playing or anything it'd be fairly lightweight you put like mini knobs on it like the little knobs on a moor uh-huh. and you're good to go i'm not saying something like that will catch on but i'm saying like that seems like a more practical approach yeah to yeah well i just think the whole concept doesn't there's no need for it well yeah yeah, yeah. That's 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 really my point with it. Uh, we are, we're running long on the show here. What really? else do we want to say? I don't know. We're at an hour. We can keep going. There's no time limit. We're not going to run out of internet. Yeah. Um. Was there any? Oh, it's there's a soul crushing moment like at the end of the day, down in the basement level. Uh, the booth behind Pure Salem, I think, or like off to the side behind them. While we were at Pure Salem, I just kept hearing the same riff like over and over again. Uh-huh. And I went back there. And I think it was a pickup manufacturer. They had two guys playing guitar there to demo the pickups, literally playing like the same 20-second loop of riffs over and over again. And they had like this, like, my soul is gone look in their eyes. Like they'd just been there playing the oh, same thing really? all day long. Jeez. And that kind of whole image and just hearing them play that lick is kind of burned into my mind. It's like, this is like, I don't think I saw this. This is rough stuff. These guys are not having a good time right now. Um, (laughs) They look like they're so sick of doing this. Do you think we need to do a third episode? No, I think we're going to, we're going to talk about various details throughout the year. Okay. So everyone's going to hear everything. Yeah. There was a lot of like extended range stuff. Uh, I I jumped on an 11 string bass. Yeah, you did. That's something, uh, the theme, there's like two big themes that stuck. Well, three big themes that stuck out at the show to me. First, obviously the Chinese mini pedals Two, as many strings as you can put on a bass as possible. I think there was like a 15 string bass there or something at some point or, 
like crazy, crazy stuff. I don't right, even know how right. you get your hand across. Well, the it. one that I, there's a picture of me with, I think, was an eleven. Street. Yeah, but there's there were other ones around that were way crazier. Yeah, uh, and then the other theme that I'm really stoked about is it seems that heavy metal flake finishes are the thing right now right like a lot of a lot of people are doing those yeah it seemed like every other uh guitar manufacturer had these heavy metal flake finishes going on i didn't see a lot of relics no i was looking for them i didn't see a lot uh but i'm super stoked about the uh the metal flake finishes because that's kind of my thing which means that in a couple of years maybe a bunch of these will be on the used market for me uh, Dan Electro had a lot of cool looking stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. They have a sitar now, which is awesome. I don't know what the price range is, but I was playing around with it and it felt really nice. Um, what else? For me, there was one company that I'm very rarely stoked about uh-huh. that I actually was, we didn't spend a ton of time there, but afterwards, I like the more I think about it, the more I'm stoked about what they have rolling out. Was Ibanez? Oh, really? Um, Ibanez is going back to more like I mean, they're doing what they've always done. Are you talking about like the traditional designs? Yeah, they've, yeah. they're doing what they've always done. Like they're still progressing in terms of like being the heavy metal shredder high speed guitar, but they're also rolling out some stuff that is very like classically inspired in, in terms of guitar design. Uh huh. That are uh, they're not they're tasteful. They're t- Sure. Uh, <laughs> they don't look like shredder guitars. Yeah, they're, they're definitely like jumping on the whole like off. They've got some new offset stuff coming out. Uh-huh. Uh, I jumped on one of their bases that felt pretty good and it was like under 450 bucks. Whoa. And the thing is, is Ibanez, it's funny. I, I was I was talking uh, on a group this week about my Yamaha bass, uh, which I love. And it's funny like how... I love Fender basses because I love the way Fender basses look. Uh-huh. But I love the way my Yamaha plays. And if I'm really honest with myself, like I would be recommending Yamaha and Ibanez basses to everybody. Sure. I just like in my head, like, yes, I what my image of what a bass is supposed to look like and what they have out on the market, like those two things don't really jive. Uh-huh. And so I end up not recommending instruments that I really like. Because you want that classic because look. Because of aesthetic reasons. Yeah. Um, uh, but Ibanez has some bases coming out that are more Fender styled pick, pick guards and, and whatever. Sure. Sunburst. Um, sunburst. And they play great. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're fast Ibanez necks. They're uh-huh. Ibanez, light, lightweight Ibanez bodies, but they're just more of a, a classic design. Uh, so that'll be cool. They also have like the eight string, uh, yeah, Tobin Tabasi or whatever his name is. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Or ba- is it? I don't know what his name is. Tobin Abasi, I think. Um. So yeah. So that one, the booth that we walked by like three or four times because it was like in a transition area, and we finally stopped at the end of the day was Carvin. Uh huh. Um. And Carvin, uh, for you guys that don't follow them on Facebook or whatever social media, they just put out a video uh, uh, maybe a week and a half ago. I'm forgetting that this is a different episode week, so it's now like three weeks ago. And usually I'm the one that's like anal about that. Uh Uh, So Carvin's like splitting up all of their services. So they're going to have like Carvin amps. 
uh-huh. and carving guitars and Kiesel guitars. Yeah, well, Kiesel is going to be like their high end. It's not even that it's going to be their high end. It's going to be their flashy, flashy stuff. Right, right. I guess you're going to pay more for flashy, but it's not... Like the quality, basically the the take home message of the video is that carving guitars and keysol guitars were gonna be the exact same quality. Okay. Uh, but like the keysol guitars are gonna be like where you go for like your wild, like your really wild finishes. Yeah, like or for your more like triple insane quilted tops. And yeah. Stuff. Or for your like more. Uh, like flashy body designs and whatever. Sure. So one of the bases that they had that I think at their booth was still a carbon base, but they talked about in the video would become like a Kiesel base Uh was this one that's called um, the uh, beveled finish body. Yeah. And from the back, it kind of just looks like a regular base body, whatever. And as it rotates, the top of the body is beveled. So imagine the contour, the, the forearm contour on a strat Uh going all the way around the body. Oh. And then the very top layer of the is like whatever your color of the guitar is. And then as it transitions through that contour, it goes, you can see like the different layers of wood. Whoa. It looks really rad. It's vomitously flashy in yeah, my like opinion. over the top like gaudy uh, opulent you know what it looks like is if you ever see pictures or if you're if you're ever go there which i which i have you should go um, there if you're in the area you should check out carvin oh no i was talking about uh what it reminds me of is uh some of the hot springs at like um yellowstone oh where, okay where like in the this, crazy colors. And yeah, everything. in the center of the geyser, it's like bright, bright blue or like a yeah. deep, deep blue. And as it transitions closer to the edges, you go through these different heat zones and you have uh-huh. different colors of bacteria. So it like transitions. Totally. So that's kind of how these beveled bases are where it's like a like really solid, beautiful color in the center. And then as it spreads out, like and you hit to where these bevels are, where it's changing the depth, like as you change the depth, going through the depth of the guitar, it's changing colors and stuff. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I don't, I don't know if it's something I would ever play, but then again, I just ranted about how maybe I need to stop looking at aesthetics so yeah. much. Yeah, the whole quilted maple thing was huge for a lot of years. Oh yeah, a lot of people stopped doing it, but Carvin kept doing it, and now they're like. They're like the top masters of it, as yeah. far as what I've been seeing. It's really good looking stuff. Yeah, if that's your, if that's your jam, Carvin is doing the good stuff yeah. right now. Like I went over there months ago uh, to visit a buddy, and he pulled out this guitar that had just it looked like I was staring into water, like it was holographic the way the light would move. It on was it. a Carvin. It was a Carvin, like yeah. the, one of their like deep blue sort of things with a crazy quilt on it. Yeah, I'm not... It looked like I was looking through like eight feet of water. It was crazy. Yeah, I'm not a huge quilt fan. I get it. I do love me some flame, though. I'll flame all day long. I think the thing about quilt is just like... It's such a flashy effect for me to really love it. You need something else on the guitar to break it up a bit. I've used... It needs to have like a big pit guard or something, you know? Yeah, I've seen some subtle quilts that are sunburst that uh, are like traditional... uh, like you know yellow to brown sunburst sure sure and i feel like it works on that because by the time you get towards the edge like it's more broken up and you have those color transitions 
but when it's like the real bright blues or greens or whatever, I, I definitely see what you're saying. Um, one company that I just totally forgot about. There's just so many companies there, we could talk about. We were there for eight hours. Yeah. I feel like we could talk about it for 16. Um, it's nuts. But I, I think we've pretty much rattled off all the companies that we st- st- where we actually got to talk to the owners. Sure. Except for one. Oh. Bad Cat. Oh, yeah. Bad Cat. Bad Cat. Uh, those guys were super cool. Yeah. Uh, we got to... I drew a little picture of us on their oh, yeah. sign and I got to sign it. Uh, we're talking about going up there at some point and doing a show from Bad Cat. Yeah. There's a bunch of like just companies and people that are all in the los angeles uh-huh. orange county whatever area bad cat uh heavy lid uh mason stoops who was doing the demo uh the uh-huh. gear demos for jhs um tons of people up tons there. of people up there so we're we may head up in that direction lotus pedals point. is up there i think too. oh yeah yeah and also i think uh nocturne brain is up there too oh Some, cool somewhere in that area i was sad that they weren't there because yeah. I'm a big fan of Nocturne Brain. Uh, Tavo was probably walking around somewhere. The well, and that's the, the thing. Like a lot of a lot of those guys, they didn't get a booth. I I wonder how much it costs to get a booth. I don't know. Oh, it was a lot of fun though. We need a podcast. We're booth, definitely man. going back next year if we're still doing the podcast. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> probably probably gonna not last that long. So. No, I think we're pretty much at the end now. Yeah, there's nothing left to say anymore. Nothing. We've we've talked about all the gear that's worth talking about. Now that I know how many listeners, uh, oh my god, Wampler has, I, we're just gonna throw in the oh towel. My we'll gosh. never we'll that's never awful. attain it. Boo hoo! <laughs> it was shocking to me uh, how well we were treated. Yeah, uh, being pressed like you, we could tell walking up to a booth, like people would look, they'd look at your face and say hello, and then their eyes would go straight down to your tag. Because they're trying to figure out who you are and where you're from. And they're like, oh, media? Oh, a pod- 60 Cycle on Podcast? Okay, I'm going to talk to these guys. Yeah. Instead of just some other, you know, pedal manufacturer or something like that. So because we were pressed, we got treated really well, I think. Which may be why we thought everyone was so nice. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that was the only reason. No, but it was really awesome how receptive The other people reason was were, because Daniel introduced us yeah, to all of them. how receptive people were about the podcast excited about talking about it and we were running into a lot of people who were actually listeners yeah a lot of the people who are in the business are listeners which is amazing to me that we have so many people who are professionals yeah uh making really cool stuff that we are excited about Mm -hmm. are listening to us talk about things uh paul roney was telling me that him and co have been talking about doing the uh boutique road show Oh yeah, idea that I pitched on an episode, right? Where a bunch of boutique guys should like rent a semi truck and just go to every city in America. It's moved from like minivan up. <laughs> well, he was saying that like move everything in crates and like set up in like, right in halls somewhere for a week at a time. But I was like, oh, you should just do it in a semi truck, have right. it all set up in there. Uh, I'd love it if someone ran with that idea and actually did it. And uh, they can, you know, send me a check for for coming up with the idea. Yeah, like 5%. Yeah, 5%, please. I'd love yeah. that. <laughs> Just every time they go on tour, they have to select one manufacturer to send you a guitar. Yeah, as this thanks. Thanks for yeah. the idea. Yeah, which will promptly go on Reverb. <laughs> yeah, it'll sell it right away. The Reverb guys were super cool. Oh, they were super cool. He, They were funny because uh, the guy I was talking to, I think his name is Dan. He was like, 
he like revealed like the secret intentions and structure of their business oh, model because yeah. i was like yeah our podcast we talk about craigslist and ebay and you guys of course and he was like oh yeah yeah I, we know how it works you buy something on eber ebay or reverb i mean you buy something on ebay or craigslist and then it ends up on reverb and then it ends up on reverb again yeah and it ends yeah. up on reverb again and we get a cut every time was that what <laughs> was that the guy who uh was saying that like he sold something on reverb yeah and he has seen it on reverb like three other times yeah yeah and he's like yeah i sold it for as like a fixer upper and then like the guy who bought it like decided it was too much work and he sold it again and then yeah and finally by like the fourth time he finally like saw it fixed up and on reverb again yeah but it's you know their their business is brilliant yeah they have it they have it set up to be competitive for people to make money against ebay and it's oh yeah it's a centralized place where everyone who's a musician is familiar with it and is comfortable buying from there even if you don't go with the the direct deposit through them Uh uh-huh uh like if you do direct to them you only pay like the three percent to reverb yeah even if you don't do that and you just still go through paypal like what i did uh you're still saving like four or five percent over ebay yeah um so and there's not it's a, a good price all the freaking people trying to work an angle have figured ebay out yeah and they're all like oh you know here's this pedal for twenty dollars underneath the normal price but the shipping is twenty dollars over right normal shipping like everyone's working an angle on ebay you have no idea who these people are you get a better sense that it's a musician centric community on reverb yeah yeah definitely um one thing that was funny with them uh i overheard when we were leaving one thing we didn't do is ask for a lot of free stuff we didn't at all uh we didn't ask for any free yeah, stuff which which is fine like i thought that was uh, at least this year i think yeah. it was good to establish ourselves we had a couple people thank us for not asking for free stuff oh really They're like thanks for not asking for free stuff Cause we because we were pitching this whole thing like Hey, send us stuff oh, to yeah, review yeah. and we will send it back to you if you pay the shipping. And people are like, thank you for not just asking for free stuff. We're yeah. so sick of it. And right a lot now. of I a lot of people who were there, I think, were artists. Yeah. Who were like, Hey, uh, can I have your fuzz pedal for my band? Yeah. We're gonna make it big. And then then everyone like, no, you're not Jack White. No one cares right. about it. And your even rig. if even if there is a hookup for you because you're an artist, it's not free. There's artist pricing. Yeah. Uh, you know, pedals will hook you up with artist pricing. You're still paying for the pedal, but it's a little less than what everyone else pays. Yeah. So people asking for free, when you do that, it's obvious that you have no idea what's right. going on. Well, the well, the thing that was funny with Reverb is like they gave us the tuners. Uh-huh. And while we were walking away, I heard someone go like, oh, hey, can I get one of your guys' shirts? Like, are you guys giving away shirts? And the re- I heard the reverb guy, and like it was his tone from talking to us to talking to this guy was like totally different. Uh-huh. I think it was just about the approach, like sure, the approach sure. this guy took. And he, right away, he's like, "Oh, ha- have you signed up for our service?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Because we opened up with like, dude, we love reverb. Like, yeah, we you're ju- part like, of what we're doing. We've both just started using it this year, but like, we're both like really into it uh-huh. and like whatever." 
And he's like, oh, yeah, Mini Tears. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I've bought like two of them. <laughs> this is my third one. And it's going, it's on the, I brought a base today over yeah. here and it's on that base right now. Totally. That's my third one. Uh, so, yeah, so it's, it's just funny how you're, the way you open and the way you approach these guys, like, it's just like real, you know. Right. It's, they're real people. Yeah, absolutely. And they're real businesses. And if you expect something for free, then you're basically asking them to take a cut out of their bottom yeah. dollar, which is so rude. Yeah. Oh, just give me something. Why? Who are you? Why do I even need to give you anything? Yeah. Imagine- I don't have a pile of my valuable stuff that I've worked so hard to make just to give out to yeah. anyone who asks. Imagine if you went to uh, McDonald's and you're like, yeah. hey, can I get a free hamburger? Listen, I'm going to tweet a picture of me eating this and yeah. people are going to buy a lot yeah. more. I'm a trendsetter. <laughs> I set the trend. Oh my gosh! I've got like I've got like 500 followers on Instagram. <sighs> if I tweet a picture of a hamburger, they will all come to your McDonald's. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Wouldn't it be great if that's the way it worked? If you had enough followers on your social media, if you could just get food for free, it probably works that way for some people. Yeah, but it's not us. It's not us, and it's not you, guy walking around Nam. Can we just say how ridiculous? a certain percentage of the population at Nam looked. <laughs> hey, Motley Crue's... Everyone in Motley Crue is already in Why? Motley Crue. Why is... There's this... What would you say it is? Like 5% of the people there, which is a lot of people. Not even that much. Because there was... I don't even think it was There that was much. almost 100,000 people there. Is that... Are you... Is that like a number you saw? Wow. That's I know what, they sent up a bunch of. That's what people. Nam posted in okay. their in their email that they sent out. Yeah, I didn't read it. That's insane. A <laughs> hundred thousand people. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is you think about like something like because the closest thing that I could explain it to to people was kind of like Comic Con. Yeah. And you think Comic Con in San Diego sells like a hundred and thirty six thousand tickets? I think. Uh huh. Or no, one hundred thirty six thousand people. They actually sell more tickets because you can buy single day tickets. Right. Uh, so they have like 136,000 people there over like the f- three or four days of Comic-Con. But all of those people are paying to be there. Yeah, as an entertainment thing. Yeah, and it's like an entertainment thing and like regular people go to this. Yeah. Nam is Nam is a regular people, but it's they're all industry regular people. Only. Yeah, in the industry, there are, you know, tons of people that we heard going as we built up to it in different groups going like, going like, oh, oh. Hey, who's going to Nam? Like, I want to know what Instagram account to follow. Like, oh, hey, how did you, how did you guys get into Nam? Like, what do I need to do to get into Nam? And we were like, you just find a way to like we- weasel into the industry. Here's how you get into Nam: you start a podcast and you bust your ass for a year, and then you get into <laughs> Na- and then you get to press passes and you go into Nam. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's a bunch of this. It's just that maybe it was one percent. But even then, that's a thousand people. Yeah, I that could, are all they're trying. They're I think they're trying to get discovered as rock stars or something, right? Or they're trying to relive their their youth, and they're all dressed like they're in Motley Crue. Well, there's still that like segment of of hard rock that still rocks that aesthetic. Yeah, but it's. I mean, look. At I a, didn't think it was that many people though. Look at a band like Avenged Sevenfold. I'd rather not. Okay. <laughs> the, <laughs> I'd rather look at someone else, please. Uh, anyway, so so 
Like Avenged Sevenfold has that aesthetic. Right. There's a band called Black Veil Brides that has that aesthetic. There's like, and these are like bands that are on hard rock radio on like Rock 105 here in town and whatever. Sure. So like that whole like 80s, 90s, like I'm going to dress head to toe and like, you know what it's become? What? It's steampunk for musicians. It really is. But it's like. Normally, when you think of like steampunk, you think of like a band like Steam Powered Giraffe, where they dress up like robots and they play folk music. Uh huh. Um, but there's definitely like this hard rock. <laughs> That's what I think of when I think of steampunk. Is Steam Powered Giraffe? I know, I know. You know, what I'm. I know about. what you're referencing. The band Steam yeah, Powered Giraffe. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Say it again. That's Steam Powered Giraffe. Steam Powered Giraffe. <laughs> okay, I, I don't move get on. it. Move on. All right. Uh, so anyway, so. There's definitely like that aesthetic of like of just this black, but like lots of lace, yeah, and whatever. One thing I will say, I was surprised about Nam, and maybe we were just in the wrong places. Um, I know I didn't expect the booth girl population to be high, but I don't feel like I really saw any booth girls. There was one or two at the Dean booth. I, I didn't see any others as far as I saw I the one. At the entrance of the Dean booth, but the way that it was put together, I couldn't tell if she was actually a booth girl, right? Or if she was actually like somebody in that scene that I just didn't know. I think she was probably a booth girl. Okay, but yeah, yeah I'm I'm glad it wasn't like that. I'm oh, sure yeah. in previous years it's it, been more like that. But what I saw, what I saw that was the closest related to booth girls was like. One of these bands that there were bands there that were like just there to promote their band. Like yeah, not, they were walking around with like signs and stuff. Yeah, walking around I, with signs. Walking around with sure like, is against the rules. Walking around with like people in costumes. Like yeah, giant uh, doc, like the doctor, the plague doctor costumes. Yeah, there's this whole like dark metal. Th- yeah, but thing it was going it on. was again it was funny because uh, there's these guys walking around in like plague doctor costumes carrying the signs for this band but then the spokespeople for this band were like just boobs <laughs> like that i mean that, sure, that sure. was like you know the plague doctors draw you in and the boobs keep you there like that was their game plan like yeah. huh, okay how, how do we get everyone's attention all right plague doctors standing next to boobs I don't know. I'm not even sure those guys were with a band. There was something where they were promoting. They were doing it in a way that I don't think is within the rules. Yeah, the, I heard a few people say like those guys are going to get kicked out by the end of the day. I wish or they they're going to get or I, they're going to get their stuff taken away. I saw them all day long. They, yeah, maybe they got their signs taken away. Lots of people were taking pictures with them. Uh, yeah. I just don't understand what they were actually promoting. I don't know. There was a booth we walked by that was like rock and roll like rock and roll tea party i don't know what it's called (laughs) it was like the rock and roll version of barbie like i don't know but it was like a booth that just sold like rock and roll clothing it was like 80s version of hard rock right of, right. of hot topic yeah exactly and one of the times we walked by there there was just like a ton of people in line so apparently there was like somebody famous there yeah again like the a lot of the celebrities that were there were people that I was like, oh, I kind of recognize the name. Tommy Thayer from Kiss was there. Is yeah, it Tommy. I don't know. I don't remember the one of the. I only know two people from Kiss. Yeah, the guitarist that's not the one that Ace Freely. The one that's not Ace Freely. Yeah. Uh, was the one that was there. Yeah. 
Apparently, uh, Stevie Wonder was there. Or the one that the guitarist that's not Paul Stanley. Yeah, I'm gonna say my my wife's joke and give her credit. Apparently, uh, Stevie Wonder was there. I didn't see him, but uh, he didn't see me either. Oh so. my god! <laughs> was Stevie Wonder there? Yeah, I oh. didn't like. Like I said, I didn't see him. <laughs> Because I know his band was like doing something afterwards or something. Yeah, they were playing, and apparently he shows up when they play to uh, see if he wants to, if he feels like jumping on stage. Oh, that's cool. Uh, So he does whatever he feels like. Yeah. He doesn't show up to watch them, he shows up to listen to them. I'm a terrible person. Ha ha. I'm a terrible person. All right, let's, uh, maybe we should wrap this up. Yeah, let's wrap it up. I think we've said everything that we can kind of just say off the top of our heads about Nam. Uh, Yeah. There's going to be, we're going to have a video of us there at some point. It might already be out. Yeah, maybe after these two episodes, if you guys have some more, like something that we didn't cover as in depth as you would like, send us like a Nam specific question and maybe we'll cover it like in a kind of more of a quick fire fashion. Uh huh. But I think we're probably wrapped up on doing full length Nam episodes. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, we got a, a song here from Jacob Charbono. Yep. Who I think also just recently joined the Facebook group. Oh, did he? Um, nice. And he's in a Minneapolis, Minnesota band called Oklahoma. Dude, you need to explain this. Yeah. Name your band after the state Why you're in. Why don't you name your band Minnesota? Yeah. I guess if you're in Minnesota, it's probably lame to have your band called Minnesota. Right. That's like me being in a band named Arizona. No. Uh, it would be like you being in a band called California. Oh. We're in California. Is Minneapolis in Oklahoma? No, Minneapolis is in Minnesota. That's what I'm saying. Oh, so, no. The name of his band is Oklahoma. Oklahoma is like five states away. It'd be like if you were in a band called Oklahoma. It'd be like... <laughs> <laughs> the problem is, as I'm thinking about like states in the area, I'm like, it would be like if you were in a band called Kansas. Or Alaska. Alaska. <laughs> Idaho. Yeah. Something like that. All right. Um, so anyway, uh, he sent us a song... Um, we're gonna play this song. It's called "No Sleep Till." Um, it's this really cool kind of alt country vibe. Uh-huh. Uh, we were really digging it. So, thanks, Jacob, for sending that in. Uh, if you have a song that you would like for us to play on our outro, send it to sixty cycle humcast at gmail.com. Uh-huh. If you would like to get in contact with us through other methods, you can hit us up on our Twitter at sixty cycle humcast, on Instagram at sixty cycle hum, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash group slash, I think, 60 Cycle Hum. Something like that. Just do a search for 60 Cycle Hum on Facebook and you'll find us eventually. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here's a song. Thanks for listening. Yeah. See you guys next week.
day.